0: Uh, Good morning all, Uh, it'd be great if you haven't already to open up your Bibles to that reading that Simon read for us a little bit earlier this morning, that was Ruth chapter 3, Ruth chapter 3 and 4, it's page 269, Uh, if it's flicked shut or if you've been using it to fan yourself, uh, pretty muggy morning isn't it? Um, Please don't hesitate to jump up and grab a, a drink of water or something like that over the course of the morning, if that would be helpful. Uh, It is two chapters that we're looking at this morning, although it means we won't be able to go into it maybe in as much detail if we were just doing one chapter at a time. I'd really encourage you to maybe go back uh, over the course of the coming week and read over the whole book of Ruth again and reflect on how all its different pieces fit together because it's really quite a a remarkable story. Uh, Next week, we'll be beginning a new sermon series on 1 Timothy, and that'll take us through to Easter where we'll start to reflect a little bit on John's uh, Gospel and his accounts of the resurrection particularly, uh, but that's uh, a few weeks away yet. So, Ruth chapter 3 is where we'll begin in a tick. Well, last week we saw that Ruth the Moabite, that despised outsider, that pagan foreigner to Israel, sought refuge under the protective wings of Israel's God. And in, do so, in so doing, sorry, she just so happened to find herself in the fields of Boaz, who not only had pity upon her as a vulnerable widow, but he also extended to her the kind of care you would have only expected someone from his own household might have had access to. Now, the kindness of Boaz was an act of grace, an act that astonished Ruth and even began to dispel some of Naomi's bitterness. Imagine bitterness, anyway. Do you remember Naomi, the Israelite, brought her daughter-in-law, the Moabite Ruth, back to Israel? Naomi expected nothing good to come from her her return, and the events of the last few weeks have begun to even soften that bitterness, that lack of optimism that even Naomi had. But Boaz's generosity was, at best, really just going to be a temporary solution to the deep anxieties and insecurities that these two women were facing. After all, Ruth could only gather from food from Boaz's field while it was harvest time. That's only a really limited time of the year and harvest was quickly coming to an end. Ruth and Naomi would need far more than just seasonal handouts if they were going to secure their long-term survival back in the land of God's people, Israel. And Naomi's response to this precarious situation uh, is laid out for us there at the beginning of chapter 3. Have a look with me. Chapter 3, verse 1. One day, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, I must find a home for you, where you will be well provided for. Now, Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight, he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume, get dressed in your best clothes, then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know that you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down... Note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. Lipstick? Check. Alluring clothing? Check. Plenty of alcohol? Maybe it's not quite that seedy, but you get the kind of idea. It's clear that Naomi's solution to their problem is to seduce the unsuspecting Boaz. Mind you, uncovering someone's feet in the middle of the night while they're sleeping hardly sounds particularly a seductive move to make, does it? Uh, Strikes me as more annoying than anything else. But as we read through the scriptures, it's clear that that act of uncovering someone's feet is a move that's intended to be a proposition of sex. Isaiah 57 uses this same language of uncovering someone's feet to describe the indecent advances that Israel had made towards the gods of their pagan neighbours. In fact, Naomi's pretty questionable-sounding plan reminds me of another occasion that's described back further in the Old Testament in the book of Genesis... 800 or so years earlier than the passage that we're looking at today, another woman, just like Ruth, had found herself without a husband or a son to care for her, found herself and her future imperiled as a result. Her solution to her anxiety and desperate need in that situation was to go and actually get her own father drunk so that she could seduce him and conceive a child who might look after her In her old age. From that lady, described in Genesis, was descended the entire nation of Moab, which you might remember is the very ethnicity that this book is reminding us Ruth is, over and over again. Ruth the Moabite, Ruth the Moabite, Ruth the Moabite, that's how her nation began. Out of an anxiety for their future security, it looks like Naomi the Israelite, her plan is for Ruth to trick Boaz into getting her pregnant, just as Ruth's own Moabite ancestors once had done. Naomi the Israelite is acting like a Moabite. That's so often how anxiety misleads us, isn't it? Anxiety tells us powerful lies about the security of our future that lies ahead, that God maybe isn't attentive to us as we have need of Him to be, that it's better that we just take matters into our own hand, figure out our own ways of solving our vulnerabilities, our situations of need and desperation and anxiety. But that's the only way to really secure peace and happiness for ourselves. What's amazing is that it turns out Ruth the Moabite won't go all the way with Naomi's suspiciously Moabite-like sounding plan. Uh, Have a look with me at the following verses. We'll pick it up from verse 8. Verse Uh, 8. Sorry, Ruth goes ahead and does exactly as uh, Naomi had instructed her and then in verse 8 we read, um, actually I'll read from verse 7. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I am your servant Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. Rather than simply going and uncovering Boaz's feet and then doing what he tells her to do, instead, you might notice here, Ruth speaks in a very Israelite fashion and says, since you are a guarding redeemer, spread your garment over me. It's a bit of a strange request, isn't it, given the situation? But this isn't just a request for Boaz to share more of the blanket and the bed covers with her. Literally, Ruth is saying, spread your wings over me. It's the very same phrase that Boaz used last chapter, chapter 2, when he commends Ruth for seeking protection under God's wings. Naomi is invoking Boaz's own words for her care and protection and notice that the reason Ruth is asking Boaz for protection is because he is a guardian redeemer, she's not seeking to seduce him unsuspectingly, she's appealing to what the scripture said a guardian redeemer should do for an Israelite. A guardian redeemer was a close relative who was expected to look after the widows in their family, even to pay their way out of trouble if they faced financial hardship at some point. Sometimes this meant even going as far as marrying the widow in order to guarantee her future security. And this is what Ruth, the Moabite, is asking of Boaz. She displays an awareness of a trust in God's provision for the widow, quite unlike Naomi, who had sent her on this escapade. And as it turns out, Boaz seems pretty happy with this marriage proposal. And at first it looks like the story is swiftly on its way to a happy ending. Who needs chapter four? It looks like it's all just about to wrap up in no time, no worries. But there's a catch. The story takes a twist, and we find out that there's this unexpected problem, hiccup, with Ruth's request. You see, there's another guardian redeemer who is a closer relative to Ruth, than Boaz is and the responsibility to look after a widow fell to the widow's closest relative which Boaz wasn't and so Boaz can't accept this proposal that's just been made. Perhaps Ruth would have just been better off attempting to seduce Boaz as Naomi Naomi had suggested all the way along and yet Boaz does have a plan, it's a pretty clever plan at that let's see how it all plays out boaz first of all organizes an official meeting at the city gate and invites the other relative the legitimate guardian redeemer to come and meet him there have a look with me at chapter 4 and i'll read those first 4 verses meanwhile boaz went up to the town gate and sat down there just as the guardian redeemer he had mentioned came along Boaz said, come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took 10 of the elders of the town and said, sit here. And they did so. Then he said to the guardian redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. Uh, You might remember that that's Naomi's husband. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me so that I will know. For no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. I will redeem it, the other guardian redeemer said whenever, this is a bit of a complicated little bit of history uh, and legal law for Israel, for God's people, uh, whenever poverty forced a widow to sell their inherited piece of the promised land, it was the responsibility of the closest relative to buy that land back into the dead husband's family, to redeem it for her, to make sure that that land was kept within the family, that it wasn't lost to someone else, who would pilfer it or take it away. And it seems that this other guardian redeemer is interested in the deal, and I guess that's hardly surprising. You see, Naomi had no living children, did she? She came back widowed and without any children of her own. So once she was dead and out of the picture, the land would permanently become this guardian redeemer who would purchase it back for her. This sounds like his kind of deal, and he accepts eagerly, yes, I will buy the land back for Naomi, knowing that once she dies, he himself would receive it all for his own. However, Boaz realises that this man is more interested in helping himself than actually in helping out Naomi the widow. And so Boaz brings up a second matter for discussion, following quickly on. Have a look with me at verse 5. Chapter 4, verse 5. Then Boaz says, said, On the day you buy the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this, the guardian redeemer said, Then I cannot redeem it, because I might endanger my own estate... You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. Suddenly, the deal just doesn't look so good to this relative, and he starts to backpedal. You see, the law of Israel stated that if this man was to marry Ruth and have a son, then legally he wouldn't own the land at all. It would end up being passed on to Ruth's son he would have no possession of it in his own right. He would spend all of his money redeeming Naomi's land for the family, but he himself wouldn't personally profit a cent from the deal. He would just be buying the property for another man's descendants. Once this relative taps out of his duty as the guardian redeemer, we find that Boaz and Ruth are now free to marry as originally hoped. Boaz has fulfilled his promise to secure Ruth and Naomi's futures for them. This marriage means that Naomi's land stays in the family. They're no longer poor and destitute. Boaz marries Ruth. Ruth's no longer a foreign widow. God gives Ruth and Boaz a son. Ruth is no longer childless. Naomi is now a grandmother we read later on in the chapter, she is no longer bitter. See, Boaz not only redeems Ruth and Naomi from poverty, Boaz also redeems Ruth for a wife. And in the closing verses of this book of Ruth, we learn that Boaz and Ruth the Moabite's actually end up being the great-grandparents of the great King David, the best-known king of all of Israel. In fact, actually, Ruth's inclusion is right there in the genealogy of King David, which ultimately becomes the genealogy of the Lord Jesus himself. Now, if you want to have a look at where Ruth and some of the other people later on in the end of the the book of Ruth come into Jesus' own storyline, just head back the the Sunday before Christmas, we had a look at exactly where these women mentioned in this passage fit into the storyline, the history, the family of Jesus himself. But not only is the story of Ruth and Naomi a beautiful one, it movingly parallels the same sort of kindness that God would ultimately display to us through the Lord Jesus. Uh, In his letter to Titus in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul describes Jesus in words that really do remind us of Boaz in this book of Ruth. Have a look at these verses from the book of Titus, chapter 2. Jesus Christ gave himself for us to redeem us, exactly the same words spoken of, uh, of Boaz redeeming Ruth and redeeming the property. Jesus Christ gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people of his very own. See, Boaz redeemed Ruth from the crushing burden of poverty and alienation. But Jesus redeems us from God's judgment upon our own wickedness. Boaz redeems Ruth from the shame of her Moabite heritage. Jesus redeems and purifies us from the shame that lurks in our own personal backstories, whatever they may look like. But even more than that, just as Boaz redeemed Ruth for his own wife so the Lord Jesus does for us, his people. Jesus unites us with himself in the same kind of intimacy that even our husband and wife rarely get to experience with one another. I wonder if you recall back in chapter 3 the way in which Naomi had attempted to matchmake Ruth and Boaz together. Naomi had instructed Ruth to wash, to cleanse herself. Naomi had instructed Ruth to dress herself beautifully in a most alluring clothing. Naomi had instructed Ruth to wait till Boaz was drunk, all in the vain hope that they could trick Boaz into a situation in which he would have to show kindness to Ruth following after. But it turns out Ruth didn't need to manipulate Boaz into anything at all. Boaz loves Ruth, with his eyes wide open to both who Ruth actually is and to what marrying her is going to cost him, the security of his own estate, his own inheritance. And friends, that's exactly the same kind of way in which the Lord Jesus himself loves us as well. We don't need to somehow prove ourselves pure, to Jesus. We don't have to cleanse ourselves to make us fitting for Him, for He Himself will cleanse us, as Titus reminds us. We don't need to dress ourselves in religious fancy dress to distract Jesus from our failings and the private chains of our past. Jesus chooses to settle His loving kindness upon us while He is fully sober to exactly who And what we are. Praise be to the Lord God who has this day not left us without a guardian redeemer. One who was able to and willing to put everything that he owned on the line to ensure that we would be renewed and secure, not only in our daily life, but so that he might sustain us well beyond old age and even beyond death itself. Praise be to God for that kindness that he's shown to us in the Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Dearest Father, we are so often more vulnerable than we like to admit. And yet there are times, Father, when we are painfully aware of our vulnerabilities as well. Forgive us for those times that we've imagined we might secure our future and our security ourselves by our own strength, in our own efforts, that perhaps we might even convince, manipulate, move you to give us what we need by our own sacrifices or offerings or struggles. Father, we ask that this morning we would go away from this gathering together, reflecting and recognizing in the Lord Jesus, a guardian redeemer who does not need to be manipulated into showing your loving kindness to us, who bore not a thought for what it might cost him, but willingly, willingly gave everything of himself, that we might not only be redeemed from that which crushed us, but redeemed to be his own, precious and chosen people in whom he delights. Strengthen and sustain our hearts with this wonderful reminder. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.